Hello, you're listening to the Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. And we're from the OtakuSpirit.com website, where you can go for all of our anime, new and old. Great community in the forum links at the top, social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. Today, we are doing our part two of our winter 2019 anime season reviews. We got another slew of titles to go through that we had to rush to watching <laughs> to get finished up. Still got a, still got two more. I got two more that I got to finish up, and we'll be ready for a full uh, part three, thankfully. We're, we're going to have a full far, uh, part three. We were, we were a little worried, but we got it covered, so we're, we're good. And we have another. Chris, did you finish Did you finish that other one? Yes. Okay, so I can put that on there, too. So it's going to be even longer part three, so we're doing good. We, we managed. But yeah, this one we're doing Mob Psycho 100 Season 2, Kaguya-sama Love is War, Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka, Indro, Bermuda Triangle Colorful Pastoral. Yes, somebody has watched that show. <laughs> Watatin, an angel flew down to me. Grimm's notes the animation, and that time I got reincarnated as as a slime. It's been two seasons. We're finally able to review that one, and then we'll have another season. So yeah, but yeah, uh, as usual, we'll go through each of these titles, give you an, a brief idea of what it is, who's making it, if there's anybody special there, a synopsis, and then our spoiler-free review of them. Because what's the point in getting a review of a show you already watched, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think so. I was a little slow reply there. All right, let's jump in. The first one we have is Mob Psycho 100 Season 2. This one's streamed on Crunchyroll. around for 13 episodes, done by Studio Bones. The source is a web manga, and the genres are action, slice-of-life, comedy, supernatural. And the director on this one was Yuzuru, Yuzuru uh, Tachikawa, who did Death Billiards, Death Parade, and, of course, Mob Psycho 100 Season 1. And the series composition and script was done by Hiroshi Seko, who did Ajin... Uh, Banana Fish, Awari no Seraph, or Seraph at the End, and Vinland Saga here soon. So, good stuff there. Uh, but yeah, for those that don't know what Mob Psycho 100 is, it basically follows a guy named Mob. He is a guy that has psychic powers, and he's just a normal school kid. Wants to be a normal school, school kid because he had some kind of thing in his past where his powers got uncontrollable, and he ended up harming his brother. So he doesn't like using his powers and just kind of uh, tries to be normal in life. Uh, he has a girl in school that he has a crush on, and he's working slowly to get stronger in his, like, weightlifting club uh, so that he can kind of impress her with just his actual physical strength rather than his powers, which, you know, everybody's like, why don't you show your powers? I mean, she'd be, like, totally in everybody kind of thing. Uh, but he is currently working for a guy named Reagan, and Reagan is a con artist who claims that he has psychic powers and helps people with different issues they have, uh, but usually whenever it comes to actually needing psychic powers to resolve the issue. He usually just brings Mob and uses Mob to, to do it. And Mob always thinks that he has, like, much more powers than he does. Like, hey, there's a, a thing here to fight. And he's like, well, I'm too powerful, so I, I don't even sense him because he's so weak. So you handle it, Mob, kind of thing. So uh, that is kind of the gist of the entire thing. And, um, yeah, for those who don't know, I was not hot on the first, like, three quarters of the first season. I thought it was pretty boring, didn't have any desire to watch it, uh, but I stuck with it, and then Reagan 
kind of finally showed his colors and ended up making me really enjoy the show, which was funny because at the beginning, I didn't like Reagan at all. Uh, going into the second season, every single episode, except for maybe episode two, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. I, I, I definitely see where the writer's work is getting better and better as he goes along. Uh, I think the things that makes this season so much more better than the first season, the first season that had it too much focus on kind of an episodic comedy routine involving different cases they're dealing with and mob coming in and kind of solving it with his overpowered psychic abilities um in the second season it was more about mob's actual psyche <laughs> what he thinks about himself what he thinks about others around him how he feels isolated because he's different than everybody else uh he has this whole period of time where a guy named KG, who was this very masterful psychic back in the day uh, is trying to manipulate him, and that kind of brings about his uh, more darker side of himself. So he has to get over that and resolve the issues. And then the later part of it kind of gets into this guy named uh, Tuichiro, who is a part of the organization that we kind of see in the very first season. And he's trying to basically take over the world, and um, Mom has to, of course, stop him. Now, the I think the I, I still don't quite follow the comedy of this series. That is one thing that was a issue that I had with the first season. And it's the same thing I have with this season. Now, the only thing that's kind of remedied in that is that whenever there's, again, Reagan is involved with the comedy. I always enjoy it. He's, he's just, he, I think the thing that gets me so much about Reagan is that when he was just a con artist, I didn't care about him. He was just this character that was just constantly popping up and the comedy didn't hit me. It wasn't until I started seeing his actual, uh, personality and his care, his desire to take care of Mob, that I just attached to him. He became like the Big Brother character, and that was something that rolling into the second season made him even stronger because he was not only was his comedy involving you know his con artistry, but it always had this kind of mindset of uh, in the end sometimes having something to do with Mob and him taking care of Mob, and that was something I always kind of attached to. So. I still enjoy the comedy surrounding Reagan, but everything else, the comedy, still doesn't really stick with me. Uh, the thing that kind of set the second season apart from the first season as well is absolutely fantastic animation. Now, yeah, a lot of people were praising the first season because of its animation being like extravagant, very animated, amazing cut uh, action scenes. Yeah, there was a fight with Teru that I really liked. It was fantastic animation. Uh, but for the most part, mo the, the the animation was, yes, I acknowledge that it was very well done. It just wasn't impressive to me. Second season was by far uh, a step up from a lot of things that I actually watch. Now, it's not detailed, crazy action scenes, because they, they often do a lot of sketch arc. It's very sketchy. But when you realize just how, how much the the world that is circling around them and the characters are kind of changing positions. It's all flowing perfectly. So I can kind of see that you can't really get, you know, insane details when you're doing that kind of stuff. I can attest to this. So just just a few times walking in, I it is absolutely um, hypnotic to watch some of these scenes. They are just so gorgeous. Yeah, there was one particular one that was in this season. I think it was like episode 10 or something like that. Was just absolutely amazing because they had all these characters that were trying to fight this guy that can teleport and predict and he had a whole bunch of people attacking him and he's just jumping all over the place 
uh, retaliating to people that are jumping into the, the, the mix. Uh, guy over here starts shooting at him from a distance. He pops over there and takes him out. It was just a, f it was phenomenal. It was, there's, there's nothing else out there like that. Uh, I think the only thing that gets close is something like uh, Foodable and their work with like Unlimited Blade Works or something like that. But like I said, that's more photorealistic. This is more sketchy and just all over the place. It's just unmatchable. So I give them huge props for what they did with this season. Yeah, outside of that, I, there's nothing real else to say. I mean, the storyline, I think, is really the only thing that's really kind of not that impressive. I, of course, like I said, it is really not so much about an overarching plot that's insane. Uh, it is more character-focused. Uh, it is about Mob, his mentality. And for that element, it was it was really well done. There was a couple side characters they added into the season that were were fantastic as well. Um, but uh, Mob was definitely the uh, the shining beacon of the season, and it got to a point where uh, at some point later in the part of the of the season that got really uh, dire, and I really wasn't expecting that for a show like this. That's always kind of taking every chance it can to throw a little punchline in there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I, I really do recommend it. Like I said, I, I I'm still not a huge fan of the first season, um, but I think it just kind of gradually gets better and better. So. Hopefully, if they ever get around to season three, it will keep up that. That's my fear for season three, though, is because I think I got what I am going to get out of Mob. This season was literally Mob's development through and through. I don't know what else they could do with that character, and he is pretty much the main character. And like I said, none of the side characters, while they do have some that have some cool character moments, there really is nothing to really do there. So I am kind of curious as what they would possibly pull out their pocket for season three i mean they are technically for the last couple episodes constantly kind of throwing up there's still a bigger organization there's still a bigger organization don't worry there's still more stuff to fight but that's never really been my draw so uh there was really no cliffhangers to kind of pull me into another season but at the same time i, I i'd imagine that since he has advanced this much from season one to season two that he can do something going to season three um so fantastic animation uh, Reagan's amazing. Mob's storyline was fantastic, and uh, a crappy episode two. That was bad. <laughs> That's my takeaway from uh, Mob Psycho season two. So, you have any desire to go back and watch it? I, I think the the one main hanging point, and has always been a hanging point, is his character designs still suck. <laughs> I'm sorry, his character designs still suck. Uh, there was a cool little, cute little scene with one girl that uh, that uh, Mob kind of dated for a couple minutes, uh, like uh, an entire episode that was was cute. But I've never cared for the character designs; they're just not really not really there for me. I I don't know. Every every time you talk about it, it sounds like something that I could technically enjoy. But um, you, last last season, you were kind of mixed on whether or not you should. I I should go back and check it out. And now it, I, I I don't know if you still think it's something I shouldn't do. Just for the animation, if, if anything. But yeah, the said, animation, think, for for goodness sakes, that, that was some gorgeous scenes. So, I don't know. Just I, on I, that <laughs> alone, maybe. <laughs> What's funny, because a lot of the hype with season one was around Reagan. So, it's like, I, I kind of want to say the same thing as what happened to me. is like, it's all going to depend on if you like Reagan or not by the end of the, f the first season. <laughs> don't take don't take the first, like, six episodes. And then there's a whole debacle of, like, give, it, give, give Reagan 12 episodes. You'll like him after a while. <laughs> Uh, it, no, I think it was like episode six of the first season that he, he finally did something really cool to protect Mob, and it was the the stupid uh, con artist lady with the the vase that they break, and then they blame it on the 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 person that came in, and then he kind of popped in there and 
turn the tables on him. So you can't con art a, con, a master con artist <laughs> was the was the footnote for that one. So, but yeah, that's uh that's Mob Psycho 100 season two. Check it out if any of that sounds interesting to you. So, moving on, we have Kaguya-sama Love is War or Kaguya-sama wa Koku Rasetai Tensai Tachi no Renai Zu Nosen. This one's straight on Crunchyroll. for 12 episodes, done by Studio A1 Pictures. The source is a manga, and the genres are comedy, psychological, romance, school, and seinen. And uh, this one follows uh, two members of the student council present in a very prestigious, high-class school that only the children of pretty much business owners go to. Uh, Kaguya, uh, Kaguya Shinomori, uh, Shinomiya and Miyuki uh, Shirogane. Uh, of course, the goofy thing about this whole situation is that uh, Shirogane is actually very poor. He just... I think it was based off his high grades. He was yes. actually able to get Super in there. Intelligent. So he has to work <laughs> at night often. He's often worrying about how he's spending money. Uh, always seems to be at the front of his mind. Uh, but the thing about the, the stu- these, stu- these two student council members is that uh, Shirogane, who is the president, uh, he is madly in love with uh, Shinomiya, who is the vice president. And reverse, Shinomiya is in love with him. The thing is, since they're in this prestigious school... They can't possibly be the one to confess. So the whole shtick for the entire uh, story of Kaguya-sama Love is War is that they are constantly trying to get the other person to make the first step so that they can be the one to accept it rather than to be the one that actually grovels to have a relationship uh, as they see it. <laughs> Anyways, they're also joined with some other club members, which are Fujiwara and Ishigami and... Um, battles ensue and so pretty much each episode is comprised of about three different skits or situations uh and they usually kind of every single one of them has it narrated by the most incredible narration possible a guy that narrates the entire uh quote-unquote battle that these two have and at the very end of each of these segments that narrator will then judge who was the winner and who was the loser uh, or if there was a tie or such and such or both lose which is often the case (laughs) Uh, so, what is your thoughts of Kaguya-sama Love is War, Chris? This is such a, an absolutely awesome show. I really, really loved it. Um, I thought that the uh, a lot of the scenes, were they looked really good. The comedy was absolutely on point in a lot of these cases. This is absolutely one of those shows that just pokes fun at all of the tropes involving um, just basic goofy love scenarios and effectively these two characters are both of them like Andrew had said neither of them want to be the one to confess and it 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 becomes this absolute battle of wills of how to how can I possibly counter this this situation and switch it around on the other character and the other character is doing the exact same thing to the main character and it, it 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 one of the best uh attributes of this is usually when one of the other other side characters will kind of inadvertently get caught up in this little uh battle of wills uh between these two characters fujiwara being one of them is absolutely phenomenal i love this show it's just too much fun i can't suggest it enough 
<laughs> I was like, look, you're getting to a point. He was like, it was a great show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think we kind of joked about in the first first impressions that it was pretty much what would happen if you had two Sundays, uh have to, you know, make a relationship. They, neither one would want to actually give up. And I, I, I kind of go with that. But yeah, you do have the element that Sundays technically are cold to each other. They're not always cold to each other. It's just that they don't want to show their hands. They're often kind of smiling and say yeah, that, that's that's true. But what about this kind of thing? Just to kind of throw the other one off. And yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. This show, I think, I, I put a 10 score on my list because it's a perfect show. There's nothing, none of this show from beginning to end had any flaws in it. This was the formula. They present that formula to you and then they excel on it every single episode. And yeah, I think in the first episode, I was like, that was great. And then it goes on to the next skit. And I'm like, okay, hold on. So they're going to do a skit by skit basis. And I wasn't really sure. I'm like, okay, so they're going to be a three skit per episode, and it's always going to be basically a, a round. Like here, round one, round two, round three. Next episode, round four, round five, round six. And so is that formula going to get old? And it's kind of like, a, you know, the My Name is Sakamoto, uh, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto kind of thing, where you're like, this could get really dumb after a while, wouldn't it? And no, it, it keeps outdoing itself. Not really outdoing itself. It's not like it's trying to be more and more explosive. It's just every single time it always, I always laugh every single time. It always does something different. It always adds another uh, thing they're going to do that's going to trip up the other person. And then you add in the side characters that uh, Ishigami is probably the only one that it was kind of weak because his whole thing was that I'm just going to go home and die. I don't want to get involved in this. Um, I just want to, you know, play my video games. I don't even know why I'm here kind of thing. But even with him, it never got old. I mean, he never he never drug down the show. Uh, Fujiwara was probably easily. I, I mean, <laughs> there, there's going to be discussions. Kaguya sama or Kaguya versus Fujiwara. There is no there is no better girl. They're just both fantastic characters. Uh, but when Fujiwara first showed up, I was like, oh, this girl's cute. Okay, and then she throws it in there, and she's like, she's taken over the show. I mean, they literally had an ED that was made just for her in this in, in uh, episode two. I think it was episode, maybe it was episode three. Uh, no, I think it was episode four because we just got done with the music episode. I was really f- frustrated by the fact that she got her song after that. Uh, but yeah, she was she was fantastic. I mean, and it was always funny because every time you kind of mentioned the idea of you have the battles happening between Kaguya and uh, and Miyuki and or uh, Shinomiya and, and Shogane. And every now and then it's like these characters would come in, they get caught in the crossfires and they're always kind of like, holy crap, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's going on? <laughs> Why am I? What am I getting involved in with? Kind of thing, and that was always something that always added that extra little flavor to it. And often, in cases Fujiwara would just kind of take over the entire uh, argument and lead the two of them into this kind of battle be, as they kind of follow her and her logic and what, which direction she's going in. And that's that's really what makes it a really strong show. Is you have that, and even even the maid girl in her episodes that she had where she was trying to help uh, Kaguya through a. Uh, Twitter was <laughs> absolutely hilarious. It was even uh, to to put a finer point on it. Sometimes even it, it, like Andrew was saying, at the end of the 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 skit, it, it'll it'll say so and so one. Even at some points, it'll even pop up and say Fujiwara one. And yeah. it's like, okay, she was even a part of the battle. <laughs> it, it makes sense compared to what what you just watched, but it's just too much fun. It's just too much crazy. Each of the skits are just absolutely hilarious, and I, I, I really did enjoy every single one of them. Absolute great laugh. And I think that is, again, kind of 
enhanced by, I think the directing was fantastic. They had these perfect little shots of the characters. They're overly expressive. And as it's kind of into their inner dialogue, as they're trying to figure out how they can overcome the situation and turn the tables on the other person. Uh, And then you have the narration kind of going along with it to add more to it. It's just all perfectly timed, uh, narrated, uh, laid out. It's just, there's nothing that it does that is not absolutely perfect for what they're doing for it. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's just it's just a perfect show. It, it, it This is what it sought out to do, and it pulled it off every single time. Uh, and it was funny because every now and then it seemed like the studio wanted to kind of take it a step further. And granted, there's a lot of kind of mixed feelings that people have with A1 Pictures. Sometimes it seems like they give it to their low-rake uh, groups or they outsource uh, a certain show and it just looks terrible. Uh, this show is fantastic through and through, and they even had these little moments where it's almost like they knew that they had gold. And so they would do something insane, like like we've mentioned before, the Fujiwara ED. It's, they only showed it one time, but then they used that, it, what they did is they used that to sell the Blu-ray, the first volume of the Blu-ray. And it was perfect selling, because it, it was all over Twitter. Everybody's like, oh my, and we were talking about it. We're trying to figure out if it's CGI or not. And it was just a just a beautifully animated little sequence. And then we kind of mentioned before, the the OP is is fantastic. The ED is stellar animation it, it looks like some kind of fantasy uh you know 1900s type setting uh movie of some sorts and there's i had a tweet earlier today i forget who was that tweeted it. they were like i wish they would make an entire series out of the ed and i'm like which one? Oh no wait the answer is both because <laughs> i was joking about fujiwara's ed i would want an entire series for both of them uh it's 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 fantastic it's great comedy well put together uh, greatly animated, uh, so many great scenes in there. I, I love the uh, the phone contact information uh, conversation about who's gonna who, trying to get each other to offer to exchange contacts, and how he has a picture of himself as a kid. And Fujiwara's like, "Okay, I'll take it." And, and I, I'm like, the entire show. I'm like saying, uh, "Shinomi is gonna kill Fujiwara. Just wait. She is Fujiwara's gonna end up dead somewhere. I know who did it." Uh, because there's always situations where Fujiwara is always kind of jumping in there, not realizing that Shinomiya is trying to tactically get herself into the situation, and Fujiwara does not understand that. Uh, it's it's good stuff. It was uh, I, I miss it. I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss this one very much. This one was easily one of the tops of the season for me. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I would probably say it is the the best of this entire season, no no doubt. So, like I said, it's a, it's a perfect show. There's nothing, it does nothing. I, we always hate, I always hate the idea of, and we'll probably have this discussion when we go to do our, our year in, uh, uh, deliberations of, of best of the year. It's always difficult to put a comedy, but this one's going to definitely fight real hard out there. So yeah, it's, it's great having this come right out of the, the gates from, uh, Zombieland Saga. Cause we yeah. were sad to see that show go and it was good to have a comedy coming right behind it and take off. So want more. Kaguya-sama, Love is War, definitely suggest it. Go check it out. It's it's hilarious. So, What more can you say without just kind of beating the dead horse? Is it a dead horse beating the live horse? Beating the running, bronking horse? I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on, we have Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka, or Maho Shoujo Toku Shusen Asuka. This one streamed on Crunchyroll. Ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Leiden Films. The source is a manga. The genres are drama, magic, seinen. And the director was Hideo uh, Yamamoto, who did Strike the Blood, 
which is definitely fitting because it has the same f- kind of style as Strike the Blood, which without all the comedy. Uh, the creator and strip writer was Makoto Fakum, uh, Fukami, who did Psychopaths Berserk 2016 and Revisions here this current season that we can't, or winter that we couldn't watch. Uh, and uh, it also has some other script writers that, uh, including the one that actually did uh, School Live, wrote that one, the mangaka. So, not the mangaka, just the writer for it, not the actual artist. So, yeah. This one follows, takes place in seemingly current time uh, Japan. It follows the girls from the, a kind of a group of magical girls that three years prior had fought the Disas, who is this kind of underworld creation that comes in and tries to basically demolish mankind. Uh, And somehow, through the help of another realm, they're able to kind of imbue uh, selected girls to be magical girls to go out and fight this thing and take it out. And like I said, it's taking place three years after pretty much the world was about to end and these girls managed to actually defeat it. Uh, of course, sadly, <laughs> many of the girls, over uh, pretty much half of them had died during that entire battle, uh, but the remaining living four kind of go on with their regular everyday lives. We basically follow Asuka, who her codename was Rapture, and she was one of the most strongest of these magical girls. And um, she is kind of trying to, now that that's over, she's trying to have a normal life. So she leaves the organization, goes and tries to be a normal school girl, which is impossible <laughs> in anime. You cannot do that. Uh, so she goes to school, starts, you know, doing her daily lives. And she meets two girls, Nozomi and Sayako, meets them as friends, and they just kind of do regular school things. Uh, but, of course, her life is turned upside down quickly because, uh, you know things still happen. Uh, first starters, the girl Sayako, one of her friends, uh, gets caught up in a kind of massacre that's happening after a criminal escapes from a convoy, and Asuka shows up to save her and, and protect her as her magical girl form. The thing that with this these particular magic girls, they have the ability that when they're transformed, they can manipulate people around them so that they kind of forget their appearance. So that's how they keep their identity safe. Um, so kind of after that whole thing kind of gets into Asuka being, being slowly dragged back into another kind of group that is trying to employ these magical girls to protect people and fight off. Uh, I think for the majority of this particular season, which, yes, it continues on, sadly, uh, but this particular season, it kind of focuses on how even though this threat is gone people are creating illegal magical girls and enlisting them, which there's only like 30 in the world. Well, there's like hundreds of these kind of illegally created magical girls that are doing criminal acts and being used for war and whatnot. So there's some situations where they're having to fight those off. So that is magical spec ops. Um, this one I was going to put off until part three, but then I realized that I had more to say about this show than one that I put off till part three because I wanted to kind of mix it up because there's there was like three in this episode that I didn't want to kind of just run through with nothing to say. Uh, Magical Spec Ops Asuka actually surprised me. This was one that I know that we kind of had our we both had our eyes on it uh, as it was previewed. Now we I, I kind of didn't really expect it was going to be that impressive. I just like okay, it's going to be a a different take on the magical girl. Probably gonna be a fun little action show, and then I'll kind of move on. Uh, I think the thing that kind of made it stand out from my initial thoughts of it just being a straight up 
you know, action show with Magical Girls, uh, or a more dark take on the Magical Girl, is its heavy focus on thing uh, certain themes. One of the the thing that kind of grabs early on, like I said, Sayako, this friend of Asuka, gets caught up in a in a, in a pretty much a massacre as he's before gunning down people in the streets, uh, and she has this whole PTSD that kind of hits her, like. Why was I? Why was I the only one that survived? Why was it? Why wasn't I like that person that pretty much fell on the ground next to me? Um, when she hears a siren, she freaks out or a pop. She's she has that fear that it's happening again, um, and that was something they hit early on. But then they kind of get into it again with another character who is tortured and how they're completely broken by it. They're constantly getting into Asuka and and these other magical girls and like the the terrors they had to deal with when they were a kid. Something they hit on in the first few episodes that Asuka. Uh, one of the reasons that she left was because she came home to one of these little creatures that were from this other world, uh, delivering her basically parts of her uh, parents and basically saying, don't get involved anymore. You need to stop. And it was one of those things that was like, wow, this is like, this is really not, not just dark. It's just kind of really serious. And that's something I kind of felt throughout the entire show. It's, it's a really cool take on taking the magical girl elements, just the, the magic of it, the fact that girls are, you know, have to be the ones that wield the power, uh, how the parents have to kind of yield power to the children because they have the ability to actually take on this stuff. They don't. Uh, taking that element and kind of throwing it into a modern setting, what would what would the world be like if you did have military, you did have uh, politics? Oh, yeah, and by the way, they're also magical girls, and they can't fight the magical girls. They are they're technically really, really strong, what are you going to do? You have to kind of let them do what they want to do, but at the same time, you need them when there's a, a catastrophe happening. Or what happens when another group, a military group, takes advantage of that power? That is the thing that it kind of hits on throughout the entire series, and it was a really cool take on it. It wasn't a Madoka Magica where they're constantly, well, we got a labyrinth and go fight the witches. It's it's war. It's, it's battlefields. It's that kind of stuff. What would you think if your entire life you're fighting and watching your friends die... And then you go to school. I mean, that kind of element of uh, the after effects of the, 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 the horrific things that Asuka had to go through. The constant visions, the, the nightmares that she has watching her friends melt away in acid or something like that from back when they were fighting three years prior. That was a thing that kind of kept me going through the entire series. It was really fascinating because, like I said, coming into it, I wasn't really expecting that I would get much out of it. But at the same time, when I technically binged uh, probably eight episodes of it today, I was I was enthralled the entire time. It was it wasn't a show where I was easily kind of getting distracted by other things. I was actually wanting to you know get every single bit of it. And I think the the, the other thing that kind of d- they do well is that there isn't much fluff in the show. It's a it's a show that would probably easily allow itself to have fluff. Like I was expecting to have an entire episode of where. Okay, all the friends go together and go to a movie theater. And they technically have things like that, but it's always like a very brief segment. It's never kind of, well, let's have an entire beach episode. They have a beach episode, but it's a very minor segment of it, and then it goes into something else. Uh, so it, it never really kind of gets itself stuck in, even though it does technically have fan service, it does have etchy shots, it never really gets stuck in that kind of stuff. It's just kind of there. Uh, it is kind of, as you mentioned, I wasn't, was was it Samurai Buys or whatever? Where it's kind of, it's a, it's a thing. The fan service just kind of happens, but it's never kind of sticking with it or showing it off. It just kind of happens. Uh, it is a very brutal show. I will get that out there. It has characters being 
tormented uh, uh, characters with PTSD. Uh, it has a lot of war violence. It has decapitations. It has bodies split in half. It has uh, torture sequences that are very, very drug out. Uh, domestic violence. I mean, it it is literally showing the the horrors of humanity uh, in the midst of all this kind of happening. So keep all that stuff in mind going into it. Uh, and it has a it has a great cast. I I really did enjoy all the magical girls, even though I had my misgivings of Kurumi early on. She is technically a Yandere character. Uh, she was a pretty cool character in the end. I I actually really did enjoy her. She is definitely one of those characters that if I ever made a Yandere list, I would want to make sure that I include her on it. Um, it had a couple segments of the derpy faces. I will admit that, but it didn't really stick with them too much. And that's always that's always a plus for Andrew. <laughs> Uh, I think my only, I think my only big misgiving that I have is that it is technically an ongoing thing, and I would love another season of it just because it had the last episode syndrome where they, they go, okay, well here's all these characters, by the way, uh, here's where this character has been, by the way, uh, here's a quick snippet of how this character is kind of broken, and I'm like, wait, wait, I want to see what's going on with this, wait. <laughs> You can't just show me what Tamara just did and then go away. That's not fair. Uh, it is definitely a show where you're constantly wondering if a character is going to make it through the next shot. There's a lot of flagging that happens, and you're not really sure what's going to happen there on the next corner because uh, it's it's brutal. So keep all that in mind. In the end, I I'm afraid this will be a show that I will forget pretty quickly. Uh, but at the same time, I enjoyed. It from beginning to end. It was it was a fun little ride. It didn't do anything fantastic. It it did deliver on what I was wanting though. It was a show that took the magical girl element, threw it in modern times, in a in a seemingly realistic environment. You know, minus the fact there's magical girls, magic, and <laughs> portals to other dimensions. Uh, I'm just sad that it it technically doesn't really. It does have a nice little bookend. Um, or chapter in, and I didn't really feel like I'm going crap. I did hate, like I said, the usual, let's reveal a bunch of characters that you want to know more about. Um, but it is one that I, I kind of wish that it would kind of continue on just because I want to see more of these characters. I want to see more of the other magical girls. Uh, I would love to have an entire backstory uh, sequence, maybe an OVA showing the original, what was it, eight characters, because a lot of them were really cool. Like I said, I want to see what happened with Tamara um, Mia was a great character. I would love to see more of her kind of exploits that they were kind of showing snippets of on the side. Uh, it's cool. I, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's a different take on the Magical Girl, and if I ever if we ever do another Magical Girl discussion, it'll definitely come up because it, it's one that kind of set itself aside from all the other Magical Girls, which is always cool. So, A very violent Magical Girl that is more human than, you know, something like a Madoka or something like that. So, Not human human-like. It's just not a lot of fantastic... Even though it does get into fantastical stuff, it's not so entrenched in that kind of stuff. It's more politics and war. So, if you like war, if you like, you know, a little bit of violence mixed in there, you like to, your characters in a more modern setting with your magical girls, more down-to-earth, it's definitely one that you should check out. So, just be ready for body parts to fly around and torture and and uh, brainwashing that's kind of <laughs> it's so funny they have this whole brainwashing sequence and I'm like that's kind of messed up and you're kind of trying to make light of it <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about that 
Oh, just it's just the characters. That's how that's what they're what they do. So that's 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 what it is. So yeah, Magical Girl, Spec Ops, Asuka, or Mahal Shoujo, Toku Shushin Asuka. Check it out if that sounds interesting to you. Or avoid it like the plague because it's violent, like Chris does. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention the 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 sad thing about this series is that I thought the action sequence is really great at the very beginning. And it's one of the shows that um, it hides a lot of the lack of animation with really well done uh, 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 like pan shots that are really quick. So even though it's technically animated a character punching or a big huge beast punching somebody it does well in hiding that you have to actually go out of your way to really notice that it's doing that. And I really give it credit for that. But I liked a lot of the fights. There was there was one fight with uh, two guys that were kind of enhanced by elements, and it was and it was against Asuka, and it was a really cool fight. I, I loved a lot of the fights. The unfortunate thing is, like after I don't know, probably about halfway through the show, it gets really gunfighty, and a lot of that stuff just you know lacks in a lot of the animation and choreography that they had in the first uh, the first half of it. So I was a little disappointed that the the animation kind of took a step back. Uh, but it was it was never a moment where I was like, you could have... There, there was never a lack of animation. It was just not as stellar as it was in the first half. And I do give it credit for that because it doesn't seem like it was a show that uh, should have deserved really a high budget. But they still did well in keeping the character models stayed on uh, decently on, on uh, model. And it was I, I enjoyed a lot of the action sequences. And the, the sound and everything else was decent. The music was really cool, too. It was very high... Uh, techno-like music every sequence so that was a a plus for me as well so if you have an action show you have to have good action animation so uh moving on we have indro or indro (laughs) as it is in japan uh this one's streamed on crunchyroll went for 12 episodes done by studio gokumi the source is an original the genres are slice of life magic and fantasy and the script writer was takamitsu uh kono who did maro-chan Onigiri, Utuwaramono, OVAs, and Itsuwari no Kamen. And uh, this one follows a, a batch of girls who are part of the Heroes group. In the very beginning, we, we find out that this Yusha, Fai-Fai, Seran, and Meiza were going to fight the Demon Lord, and they pretty much beat the Demon Lord, but then uh, Yusha goofed up the big magical ceiling spell, and they all got sucked into a portal along with the Demon Lord, and spit back in time, and yeah, they're they're back in school, and and they don't really know what what basically Only happens. One of them remembers, right? The, the 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 demon lord herself remembers that. Wait, why am I here back in the past again? And then ends up going to a school to teach there, and sure enough, the the people that beat her show up, and they're at the school. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's Indro. is a series basically following four girls who are destined to become the heroes and fight the demon lord. Because it's kind of like a a recurring thing that every generation there's another he- uh, every time a hero shows up, the demon lord is going to be resurrected or the verse vice versa rather. Uh, every time a demon lord shows up, a, a, a hero is born basically, and the hero will go beat the demon. And it's been like thousand. Uh, well, almost a thousand generations of this, so. 999th. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a little comedy that's kind of centered around the antics of these four 
they're supposed to be the heroes, but <laughs> they're they're pretty dysfunctional in many ways. Uh, you have Yusha, who is, you know, she doesn't have a class. She just wants to be a hero, and everybody makes fun of her for that. Uh, Fai-Fi, who's more of a, a, a brawling boxer-type character. Uh, Seren, who is a kind of a priestess character. And then Meza, who is a card... Was it Cardiato or something like that? Cardato. <laughs> something like that. She's basically a, a card user, which... The cards in this world can summon equipment, or they can <laughs> they do they do like anything. Like these cards, it's it's kind of a weird thing in its own. It's these these there's like a whole fandom within this world that loves collecting these cards. Uh, they can be many things, different stars, different capabilities. Some are rare. Uh, they can do anything from like summon equipment, food, uh, magic, all that kind of stuff. It's all in these cards, and she's she's very fanatic of them and as a user of them. So at some points they, they meet the princess of the land and she's obsessed with, with meeting the new uh, hero and she follows them for a little while and kind of investigates them. And the entire time the demon Lord is, is a lolly teaching <laughs> at the school of, of adventurers because <laughs> anime. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on Indro? freaking perfect <laughs> i had a lot of lo- fun with the show it's just too cute uh too many just fun little adventures going on and you, yes you're 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 starting out at the beginning so they're, they they'll go out and they'll capture the cat which is you know level one type stuff and every once in a while something weird will ha- end up happening and they'll end up on this super advanced uh quest and, and it's just too fun to get, just have these um, cute girls just goofing off and trying to uh, become heroes and at the same time being stuck in this world that technically doesn't need a hero yet because the demon lord hasn't sh- appeared yet and having Mao just her cute antics as she is uh, juggling back and forth between being the demon lord and uh, taking care of these girls and teaching them up to become uh, heroes. It's just too much fun, too adorable. I love the pastels, um, kind of uh, a more sketchier feel to it, more of a nostalgic feel to it. Um, it's just a, a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I really did like the, the the visual style of it. It's very it's very soft, very bubbly, and the character designs are fantastic. I, I especially like Fi Fi's character design. She was absolutely adorable. Um, yeah, for me, the, the, the show itself, I, I enjoyed for quite a few episodes. There was a couple that were kind of in the middle that were kind of misses for me, especially like the, the mountaintop. Uh, it was like a snowy mountaintop, and they were in a tent, and they were talking about their dreams. It had a funny punchline at the very end, but for the majority of the show, it was kind of like, what is even going on here? I think you made a joke about the very first dream they show was like that looks like a lot of footage. Is this a, is this a is this a, a recap kind of <laughs> hidden? And it kind of didn't do that. It was like one character had a lot of uh, reshown scenes, but a lot of the other characters had their own thing, and it was kind of going for something there. But I thought it was a very throwaway episode. So there was a couple episodes in the middle there that were just very much so misses for me. But for overall, a lot of the episodes I really enjoyed. Um, I wasn't really sure how I was going to feel about the princess. Uh, really felt like she kind of took over the show for a little bit. Uh, but she did have a lot of fun moments mixed in there. I, like, And I really loved her little uh, escapade with Fi-Fi was, was, was great as well. 
I, I think for the that after it kind of had a little lulling sequence, I think it was only drugged back because Mao was a fantastic character. Uh, I think she ended up. I think Mao ended up taking over the show uh, for me, especially. It definitely did. For it just me. seemed like every time she was on the show, it was gold. Like her whole situation where she is the demon lord, she's trying to you know mess with the hero, and then inadvertently, like she, this whole sequence was like, okay, go in this cave and see if you can take over you know the issues and then each girl goes each group goes in there and they're like coming out and they're going well that wasn't very difficult and then she sends yusha in there and she purposely messes up things so that they would get lost in there and, and fail and then they end up finding you know the super du- duper hero weapon and she's like well, what how the hell did that happen i'm trying to foil her and then they accomplish things and it's only making her stronger it's that whole goofy thing where you're like going well by the you know the whole element of you know you're you're actually triggering how she gets to becoming the hero without even noticing it kind of thing uh it was it was fantastic it was pure goal uh but yeah it was for the most part i really enjoyed each one of the characters had their own little quirks i think misa was probably the only character that kind of got old for me really quickly she she was a hard one to 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 balance because i i love her getting off on her little geek out moments but at the same time those were such big drawdowns for for those scenes you know what it reminds me of what's that fujoshi character i guess i'm not saying she does the same things fujoshi characters does but she has that same syndrome where that's her only punchline is that she knows way too much about cars than she should have and she just goes on a huge tangent about how amazing these cards are and that's her only attribute where yeah i technically saren has her uh her you know her uh her misgivings of herself she thinks she she doesn't clean and she needs to clean uh she's flat chested and all that kind of stuff she so she has these kind of uh insecurities that's the best word for it she has these insecurities and that's technically her whole punchline fi fi wants to eat and punch things that's technically her whole thing but it seems like each one of them, they do something different with it each time. Uh, bringing up the fact this girl really obs- is obsessed with was it a gorilla people or something like that, or a, a muscly gorilla man or something like that. Uh, Meza was always the same thing. So while I thought she was adorable, I love her Seiyu. Uh, did a fantastic job with the voicing. It's just her her one-note jokes was the only thing that kind of drug down the show for me. Even the entire episode where they went to the card land was like... I, I love the ending. Again, great punchline at the very end of it, but it was kind of that was another one of those throwaway episodes for me. Uh, so yeah, I, it has a great cast. There are a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun moments in it. I, I love the the cat episode and the the goofy little quest they keep getting and that kind of stuff was great as well. Uh, again, didn't really think I was going to enjoy her, but the prince was fantastic as well. It's just a cute show. It's fun. It's very f- fantasy based. So if you're looking for a a Moe fantasy world type show. It's definitely I want to jump into. And I, I think they did an excellent job with it. I, I don't remember much bad animation into it. It was, the characters were, were pretty solid uh, on model for the most part. Uh, it was just a fun little show with, with cute characters. So yeah. Any, any last on that one? Nope. All right, moving on. We have Bermuda triangle, colorful pastorale. 
I'm, I'm guessing that's how that's pronounced, French or whatever it is. Uh, Pastrale. <laughs> Pastrale. Anyways, uh, this one's streamed on High Dive, ran for 12 episodes. The studio is Seven Arcs Pictures. The source is original, and the genres are music fantasy. Yes, I watched it. I'm sure many people are asking, wait, this show aired? What, what was this show? Tell me about this show. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Bermuda Triangle basically follows a group of girls who are in kind of an outskirts village underwater. Yes, they're mermaids. So it's basically the entire story is following mermaids, uh, in particular these uh, four girls who are living in this kind of out-in-the-middle-of-nowhere village, out in the sticks. At some point, a carrier shows up, is carrying a crystal with a girl named Ken that's inside of it, and uh, apparently these mermaids, if they are kind of in distress or having a lot of stress, they can kind of go into a cocoon sort of state where they're crystallized in a, in a ball. And this girl was one of those. She was apparently performing in the big, the big, big city, and she got nervous and stressful, and then she just turned into a crystal right there on the stage. So uh, her manager decided to ship her off to this outskirts village where she can kind of, you know, just relax and take some time off and get rid of some of that stress that she has. So she's quickly brought into this group of four friends as they kind of just enjoy their their time out in the middle of nowhere. They don't go to school, it doesn't seem, so they just kind of screw around all the time. <laughs> uh, anyways, at some points, as they're kind of talking about how there's this, you know, flow of uh, uh, coral or something like that that goes through the entire village, uh, it ends up opening up or kind of revealing that there was this gigantic theater that used to be that used to be used inside of this village and these girls notice it and they you know it becomes their thing they really want to renovate this theater and get it up and running again because they managed to make it work for a brief moment and it looked really amazing it's kind of a it's it's a, it's a projector that sits in the middle of it's almost like a planetarium or something like that where there's a there's a globe that's in the middle of the theater and it just shoots up this projection that can be, you know, a stage play or it can be musical or whatever. Uh, it's basically a 3D movie. And they really want to get this entire theater working. So they think it's going to be great and everybody's going to really enjoy it. So even though they get kicked out several times by the parents or the, the, the adults saying, no, you can't go in there. It's dangerous. Stay away. They keep sneaking in. And eventually the adults have to <laughs> give up and say, okay, you can do it. That's fine. Fix it. And so... Most of the show is really kind of centered around them trying to fix this thing, trying to get it to work, uh, discovering things about themselves. And, they're and you know, each character gets an episode where they go into what the character's about, their insecurities, what they're going through, what they think of the situation, and ultimately, eventually trying to fix this theater, and uh, if they can, and see if it'll be the thing they think it's going to be in uh, helping, you know, liven up the village or whatever, so... That's a gist of, of Bermuda Triangle. That's that's pretty much it, actually. <laughs> no, I, I think this was a show that, at, at first glance, I'm like, this is probably going to be one of those shows that's very kind of basic. It's basic. It's just a, a fluff show, turning on each week and get a brief moment with these characters just being goofy. Uh, and that's really kind of what it turned out to be. I, I, it, what, it, what I expected it to be was what it ended up being. What I kind of stuck with it was because I was more thinking, okay, this is a different type of show. There's not 
there's barely any shows that have mermaids in it. I know Chris reviewed one like 15 years ago. <laughs> I think it was one of the first one of the first reviews you ever did was this little show with mermaid characters. It wasn't really something that has done often is is mermaid characters. And I did give it credit for them somewhat animating mermaids because I would think that'd be a difficult thing to animate characters that can kind of go any direction, even though most of the time it's just them kind of sliding stills across the screen. Um, it was a different take, and I, I kind of was interested in it just because, one, it was an original. You know, my thing about originals, I wanted to check out every original to give them a chance. Uh, but two, just to kind of see, what were they thinking? Like, is this a show that they wanted to do? Is is this mermaid story going to have something in it significant? And I think in the end, it didn't really have anything. And that was the sad thing about it, was just kind of a wanting to give it a shot, see if there's anything in it, and not really delivering much at all. It was it was really, like I said, it just kind of hits on these characters with some really basic issues they have, resolving it by the end of the episode, and then moving on to the next character, uh, all while trying to, again, put together this little theater and possibly get back into canon on her, her issues with her being an idol. Um, I think the only episode I was kind of thrown off by was probably the episode where they decide that they, I guess each of the children of this village at some point they're given a pill and they're able to go onto the shore, take the pill, gain legs, and then go do, you know, visit with on this village or on this, uh, this, this island. And that was really the only one that was like, okay, wow, this is out of nowhere. What are we doing here? And again, it was very basic run into character, learn about shoes, <laughs> this weird fog, suddenly a ship goes by, and then go back to the village. It was it was kind of one of those, again, it threw me off, but in the end, it's just really a, another basic episode of, of conversations about very basic things. So I, I think it's one of those shows that was probably focused, was made to focus for children, and... That's oh, basically so they never got into the human, or the, the mermaid trafficking? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe. <laughs> there was some characters that disappeared here and there. There was a question about where they got certain resources. I won't... You might have to watch it yourself to find out. <laughs> maybe that'll get you through it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the animation, even though I, I give them credit for doing something that I would assume is very difficult at the same time, it was a lot of stills. The character designs were different, but way often wonky. It's just a, just a basic show. That's all it is. That's nothing against it. Like I said, it's probably got an audience there, but not if you're looking for something that's going to have some deep meaning to it or heavy themes or Andrew's any notes. comedy comedy whatsoever <laughs> Andrew's notes yes sometimes original bites you in the sometimes, butt sometimes original bites you yes uh, let's move on to Watcha 10 an angel flew down to me this one uh, the Japanese titles is Watashi ni Tenshi ga Maiorita this one streamed on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes done by studio Doga Kobo the source is a 4 comma manga the genres are slice of life comedy shoujo ai. And this one, the script was done by Fumihiko Shimo, who did series composition and script rights for Clanod, Anima Yell, Air TV, Amagi Brilliant Park, Golden Time, and Nanan Biori. So uh, this one follows, I guess technically for the most part, it follows Miyako. She is a kind of a shut in. She uh, doesn't really do much around the house. She's very much so into cosplay. 
and she likes to, you know, knit and create beautiful little cosplay outfits. And at some point, her little sister, Hinata, shows up with a friend that she brought from home, or from home, from school, uh, named Hana. And Miyako, as the title would suggest, uh, just kind of sees her as, like, this very cute, adorable girl, uh, pretty much an angel. And uh, so, the kind of after that, kind of this whole thing of, I guess, the, the joke, most of the part of the, of the show is really how Miyako wants to dress up uh, Hana into different outfits and other girls that end up showing up and kind of pays for them to cosplay for her with sweets because she's a really good cook and she makes fantastic sweets. And um, that's basically just for the most part. Uh, you kind of get into some other jokes about how uh, Hinata, her Miyako's little sister, likes to uh, make everybody in her class believe that her sister is amazing because she really does believe that her sister is amazing. Uh, so there's like a lot of uh, theories on all these amazing things that her big sister does, even though that her big sister, all she does is just stay at home and make outfits <laughs> and really good sweets. Uh, they're later joined by now who is, ends up being their neighbor, who is a blonde girl that likes to believe that she is the cutest thing possible. And so she gets a little jealous whenever Hana gets attention from Yako and she doesn't. Um, and some other classmates that uh, don't really get too much show time, but are fun as well. Kana and her friend Koyori. Kanan is kind of a, just a very pure-hearted, very good, good, good kid. It's <laughs> a very good awesome. kid. And uh, Koyari, who always wants to kind of lead, even though she's very terrible at it. Um, she wants pe- more people to rely on her. Basically, yeah. And that's 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 the gist. Later on, they're joined by uh, Matsumoto, who is, even though she doesn't realize it, <laughs> a classmate of Miyako, who's obsessed with her and her cute, adorable little sister as well. So, And the mom, who likes to correct Miyako a lot. See, that's uh, Watuten. What do you? What's your thoughts on Watuten? This is a freaking adorable show. <laughs> I absolutely am so glad I got some time to to go back and watch the rest of it. I told I, him at least watch episode twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it was so adorable. I it, it it was a show that I was really really disappointed that that ended up kind of falling by the wayside in in some of our kind of more frustrating time in the last few weeks but it it was so so refreshing to watch this show it's just a uh one adorable moment after another just going constantly through um and 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 the thing is to me i don't think it got kind of too stuck on the original joke which is something that if you go into it, you you can see very very quickly that it it's going to rely very heavily on Miyako being in love with Hana, but it doesn't really so much focus on that, and it just becomes a lot of antics about these girls and and how they deal with different situations. Yes, there's a lot of poking fun at the fact that Miyako really really adores Hana. Um, but there, it, 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 it does balance between the three girls in, in how they react to that situation and how much, um, they just are absolutely pining for Miyako's attention. And it just becomes an adorable romp through all kinds of just different little goofy jokes about different things. Very innocent. Um, I, it hardly ever even dabbles too much with the um the the line it it really does just stay on these three adorable girls and 
ad- addition of Kiori and Kanan later and just how fun life is and really bringing Miyako, trying to bring Miyako out of her shell, which it doesn't really get resolved per se, but it does actually try to focus on bringing her out. Dogokobo, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, Studio Dogokobo does a fantastic job with animating Moe characters, and this is just another testament of it. The character designs are absolutely adorable. They are lively, very animated. I think one thing that really kind of jumped out at me at some point was this this one little shot where uh, they're talking about how how they came to this point that they were going to have Miyako help them with their stage play and setting up their costumes. And they're like, well, how, how did your class come to the decision with, with wanting me to do the costumes? And, and they're like, well, Hinata raised her hand and said, my sister could do it. And, and it cuts quickly to Miyako looking at uh, Hinata and says, why would you do that? And Hinata has like this immediately jump to like a, like a very uh, minor terror of like my sister's yelling at me and that's not a normal thing. And it was it, like, it, it jumped out at me of like, wow, that face is perfect. Like that is the perfect face of a kid who thinks they're doing something right. And then suddenly you say, no, you can't do that. And they look at you like, wait, wait, I did something wrong kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's beautifully animated. The characters are great. Uh, Miyako is technically um, a Dogokobo version of Mashu from Fate Grand Order. <laughs> um I love every one of the characters. They're great designs. They're expressive. They're lively. Each one of them has a great personality. Uh, even Nao, who is basically, look at me, look at me, look at me. She is adorable, too. And, Freaking love Nao. <laughs> uh, Hana is adorable. She has a very blank attitude about a lot of things, or very uh, neutral attitude about a lot of things. Uh, I, but even I, her, when I, she I gets expressive, har- she's adorable. You'd be hard-pressed to find a character in the show that I didn't love. Matsumoto. <laughs> Even Matsumoto had moments. I think I liked even Matsumoto. No, so here's here's the big problem. Here's the big elephant in the room. This is coming fresh off of Uzumade. This had some similarities there. Um, It technically starts off with the fact there's a character that is, you know, older who is into the adorableness of a young child. And then there's this whole fact of later on this Matsumoto character shows up. I'm like... Uzumate had a character showed up late in the show too that was obsessed with the main adult character, and so I'm like, oh wait, d- this is kind of giving a lot of vibes. But I think it's it's funny because like you mentioned with with the whole aspect of yeah, first episode you open up, you have Miyako come down the stairs and she sees Hana, and she's like, this is my angel, and she's drooling as she's taking pictures of her and outfits, and it's like, wait, is are you are you gonna cross this line? Is this is this how are we going to have to explain this whole element of pure and uh, is it going for pedophilia or not? And this one, unlike Uzumade, I don't, yeah, yeah, technically she gets over-exaggerated. She gets huffy and puffy when she's taking pictures of Hana. It never really pushes it too far. I mean, there was one little scene where they're all kind of taking a nap and Hana's really close to Miyako and they have that little kind of brief moment of like, she's so close to me. But it never, like, it never, again, crosses that line. And like you mentioned, after a couple episodes, it moves away from that. And it never really touches it again until, like, way, like, on the last episode. And even then, it didn't really kind of get into it too much. But so, yeah, it sucks to have to mention that there's that element of this character. But I don't think this one was gross about it at all. 
unlike Uzumade, this one's really easy to defend. It's just like a show about a character that just adores and thinks this girl's adorable because she is adorable. And kind of the little antics that kind of surround, like you said, the the characters and how they react to Miyako and how they're kind of just being cute and wanting to grab the attention of, of Miyako. Uh, but I think probably my pinnacle of this show is Hinata. She is the most adorable little sister ever. She's she lively. Awesome. Uh, she was perfectly... The Seiyu did a fantastic job of her. She's so fun. Every time I hear her say Miyane, I'm just like, that is so adorable. <laughs> I want to hug her and squeeze her. She's an adorable character. I like I said, like the only even thing I really she even when she 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 met a, a little girl and that little girl said called her on chan and she just absolutely went nuts. Oh, this she's is like, what it is to be. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh no, there's uh, Miyako has been made. <laughs> you are her little sister. <laughs> she's fantastic. Uh, Hinata was just absolutely adorable. She was so much fun. Uh, she is a Genki character done right because she is. It's it's funny because a, a Genki character can get annoying. It's it's happens a lot. And I think it's really whenever you have a shows that are trying to do other things. Uh, this show is about young kids just having fun, and I think when you're in that scenario, your mindset goes in the idea that these are little kids having fun. Of course, they're going to be energetic. They're going to be running around trying to get attention. And they they pulled off Hinata perfectly. She was in that in that spades. I, I absolutely adored her. Uh, like I said, Hana was was great as well. I, I she was a lot more mute character, so she doesn't really she didn't have too much of a presence. But at the same time, whenever she had her moment, she was adorable. I love the, the little date that they had. She was was fantastic there because it allowed her to get away from. She was away from Hinata, who always takes over the scene, and so you can actually see how adorable she was. Uh, again, yeah, now between, was, between Hinata and now, now, now it was very, very close. If 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 Hinata is out of the scene, now takes over the yeah. the the scene. Because, There's a hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, it, it it goes into you know each character and how how dominant they are. It just from their personalities in general. Right. Right. Um, like I mentioned, Kanon and, and Kiori, I wish that they had more time yes. on the screen. They had like one episode where they were doing a cooking, cooking thing at school and that they're, they were fantastic there. They brought him home and I loved Kanon just kind of going, I'll be your friend, Miyako. <laughs> she was just too pure. Um, but yeah, just a, just a fantastic cast. There was never an episode that I did not thoroughly enjoy. It was a, was very well animated, great color and style to it character designs are fantastic it is it is top shelf top level uh moe at its best and it had a lot of fun comedy mixed in there as with it as well so um i do want to mention that i thought that the again going on the idea that it's fantastic animations i kind of briefly mentioned it but episode 12 was fantastic and this i kind of tweeted out at some point that this was a great season of last episodes and I, what triggered me to do that was i think uh Watatin. And it was mainly because it was a, it was so beautifully animated. It basically what happens is they have a whole stage play, and the stage play was the entire thing besides a couple lines was fully sung by these kids, and the the mouth movements were perfect to what they were voicing or what they were singing. Uh, they were moving around the stage. They have this whole sequence where it kind of gets more dreamy rather than it being on a stage. They kind of go into more uh, what the characters are actually doing. Uh, so rather than having a character, you know, up on a, a string flying around, it actually goes into what it would look like as the story is being told with the characters in it. 
and it was a very cute little story. Um, and it was just fantastically animated and fully sung throughout the entire thing. It was absolutely stellar. It was it was it was top notch of the season. I think if there was anything that was trying to rival Mob Psycho 100 with its fantastic animation was Watatin, and it was a different type of fantastic animation. It was a fully voiced, fully sung, fully animated, and lips to match it uh, stage play, and it was it was phenomenal. So. Great little, probably one of the best moments of this of the 2019 season or year, if we can remember it, because it's hard to remember things that happen in winter. Got to write them down uh, before we get done with the, uh, you know, halfway through the next season. So yeah, great show, really adorable, a lot of fun, uh, fantastic last episode, great animation by Dogo Kobo as usual. She, they just are not letting me down every season. So it was my sugar show this season for sure. So easily great stuff. Yep. 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 What the 10 an angel flew down on me down to me. Sorry. Next one we have is Grimm's notes. The animation. Yes. Somebody watched that one too. <laughs> this one is uh, streamed on Crunchyroll around for 12 episodes done by studio brains base. The source is a game, a mobile game, and the genres are action, adventure, magic, and fantasy. And this one follows a guy named X. I think right off the bat, you kind of meet this kind of band of uh, people, Reyna, Shane, and Tao. And they basically travel from story zone to story zone, where each one of these story zones has a a story of that people kind of tell their children, like Snow White, uh, Red Riding Hood... Uh, Cinderella, all those types of stories. Each one of these zones has that story being told in each one of them. And the kind of weird thing about this particular, I don't know if you want to call it world or universe or cluster of zones, (laughs) is that uh, every single person within these zones has a book. And these books basically tell their entire lives from the moment they're born to the moment that that they die. And that's kind of how this works. Each these these storytellers these creators basically create zones and they give each one of the people within this world a book and the book tells them their entire life and that kind of is how each one of these stories is told so of course snow white would have one of these books so she could technically when she's a child open it up and see that you know one day this happens this happens this happens and so that's kind of the gist of how each one of these zones works and they also kind of mentioned at some point that each generation will have one of these people. So technically, you know, Snow White's mother was a Snow White at some point. And this was a weird thing, but stick with it here. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically how these zones work. And the, again, these these this group of people, X, Reyna, uh, Shane, and Tao, they are people that are born without a book. They're kind of this weird, uh, this weird oddball about these worlds is that some people can be born without a book. And they don't have any purpose within this world or the story that's being told. Um, and so what they can do is what, what Reyna, Shane, and Tao do, they bring X into this group because he's one of these people that's born without a book. And they can travel between each one of these zones. And what they're kind of tasked with or what Reyna kind of is tasked with and these people join her is stopping these chaos tellers, which chaos tellers is this group of people who are trying to basically rewrite these stories uh, conflict with what the story that they, these people are supposed to, you know, enact and destroy these worlds in a sense. So they're going in there trying to find the corruption that's happening, beat the t- chaos teller, 
and then restore the world back to where it was so that the story can continue being told. Um, and that's that's kind of the gist of it. I think early on, probably in the about third episode, they or maybe a couple first episodes, they quickly established, yes, this is technically like a gotcha game. Uh, so they do have like this little portal or this little mirror that shows up and X has to quote unquote roll the gotcha and he gets Alice and that, you know, upsets Raina because she thinks that Alice is the perfect gap Moe because her story is so dark and yet she's so cute and adorable. Um, but yeah, the, what the kind of gist is that each one, of the, each one of these places they go to, they're trying to fix this element. And then they have, when they leave that world, they somehow manage to then be able to manifest themselves as that character. So the first place they go to is Red Riding Hood story. And once they resolve that issue and they go to the next place, technically X can then transform into Red Riding Hood and fight the Chaos Tellers as Red Riding Hood. So that's one of those cool little things that it's kind of like a transformation sequence. They open up their empty book, they place this little crest on it, and they select what, uh, or they can choose, or they call it the name of the of the story or heroine or hero of that story, and they can become that person and fight. And that's one of those elements of like when I'm watching this show and I'm I'm seeing each one of these little characters and how they how they the character designer for Red Riding Hood or how they drew Snow White. I'm like, if this is actually a gotcha game that you know came to North America, I probably would want to play it because I like the a lot of the designs that they have of different uh, characters of old, even the characters like Aladdin or Alice, uh, stuff like that was was really cool how they created the characters and how they you know form them. Yeah, I guess the easy critique that you can have of the show is that it's technically kind of like a ripoff of Kingdom Hearts because you have these characters that are going to different stories. Uh, I guess the the what I would kind of say to combat that is that it's yeah, it's got the concept of a group of characters able to go to different stories, um, but that's kind of where it leaves off because there is this element that each one of these worlds is being corrupted and in a sense being eventually destroyed. And it's not limited to Disney. <laughs> it doesn't have the fluff that Kingdom Hearts has. It's very dark at times. I was very surprised at some points where I was like, wow, um, they just killed off this character or whatever. I didn't think they were going to go that far with this. It does get dark at times. It gets into the characters being very angry about... Yeah, technically, in my book, it says that I'm eventually going to kill my mom. What they think of that. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you were to, you know, if you were born and you had a book that literally tells you everything that's going to happen in your life, there is that element of, like, fate and what you're supposed to do and accepting it or not accepting it. And they do get those, those those elements throughout the entire thing. Some characters don't accept what's in the book and it corrupts them. Or there's some characters who openly accept something that's very dark that's going to happen. John the Ark is a good example. She probably know she's gonna find out. Wow, I don't. This doesn't end well for me, kind of thing. Why would you still do what you're doing if you know that your own people are gonna burn you at the stake? Those kind of things are kind of addressed here and there. Now, I won't say that it really gets into insane storytelling, but I do like the little twist that they have with each, each one of these. Uh, we had this this kind of thought process with the first episode, the story about Red Riding Hood, and how they kind of twist thing around with the wolf and the hunter and the and and Red Riding Hood. And it was a cool little twist to it. And the same thing happened with several of the characters. I Some were kind of throwaways, like Don Quixote wasn't that fantastic. Um, but the way that they kind of turned some of them, like Snow White was a fantastic one, where they they twisted that one out really well. It was it was not what it was originally told. It had a cool dark side to it. 
having the characters actually address the darkness that is their ultimate goal or their ultimate conclusion was really kind of interesting to kind of dive into. It was almost kind of like a, that that it had a sense of recreators where I'm like, wow, is these characters kind of uh, saying, why is my story written like this? This is not a good story. Why do you want me to do this kind of thing? Now, I, I don't think they really kind of go to an extent that like they could have, but it was enough that it was entertaining to me throughout the entire thing. Um, and the only thing that kind of kept me going throughout the middle segments of between from these stories was that I thought the cast was good. Um, Rena especially was a, she was just a very, very uh, full of character. She was, she was goofy. She was trying to be more uh, stoic and proper, but she always had these little goofiness about her. Um, Shane was a solid character. Shane and Tao's story was, or backstory was, was decently told as well. Technically X is probably the only uh, throw up character or toss out character because yeah, he technically is kind of a quote unquote main character and probably doesn't really have much going for a story in the, in the, uh, in the source material. But overall it was, it was a, it was a solid watch. I mean, there was nothing, I wasn't really bored by the show. It was had a lot of fun little stories and takes on these fairy tale stories. Um, and like I said, it, it got darker than I thought would, would, would actually get the characters were fun. The animation wasn't always top-notch. There was a lot of cases where it, it kind of stumbled a lot. A lot of the action sequences was just kind of repeated magic attacks, but it was it was a it was a solid middle 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 of the area type story through and through, so I was pleasantly surprised by how much I ended up enjoying it. So Grim's Notes. That's that's Grim's Notes. That time got reincarnated as slime as our last one. This one is Tensai Shitara Slime Data Ken. This one streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for 24 episodes and a 24.5, which was kind of just a throwaway radio skit thing. <laughs> and they already have a season two announced. This one done by Studio 8-Bit, the sources of manga. The genres are fantasy shonen. And um, the sound, I think the only notable person here is that the sound was done by Jin uh, Akitagawa, who did Recreators, ReZero, Odd Noah Zero, Flip Flappers, No Game No Life? Does a lot of shows with a lot of very impactful sounds. He has all the 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 bass big booms on yeah. on on cue. He and he used all of them. <laughs> he's he's kind of in the same, not so much the same realm as the the sound director for like Sword Online, where it kind of gets more muffly. But he he does have a lot of impact to his sound um, for sure. Uh, so yeah, this one basically follows a guy named, well, he wasn't, wasn't named Rimmer at the time, but a, a, a businessman who at some point he's with some friends and he gets stabbed, uh, trying to protect them. And as he's bleeding out, he's like, Hey, make sure to wipe out my hard drive and do this and this. And as he's kind of mentioning all this stuff and he kind of lamenting about how his life kind of sucked and that he'd never got, you know, married and stuff like this. Entire time, there's like a narrator voice that's going off that's saying basically attributes that's being added to him. And then he's reborn into another world and come to find out all that stuff that was happening while he was dying was basically his character creation. And so he shows up as a slime and he has all these different abilities that were based off of the stuff that he was blabbing on about, which ends up making him really, really overpowered. Um, he ends up finding out that he can absorb things as a slime and you know, gain abilities and absorb things and gain attributes, store things within himself, all this kind of stuff as a slime. So he's basically the most overpowered slime in a fantasy world. 
Uh, at some point, he runs in in this cave that he spawns into. Uh, he runs into this big, huge dragon that's been sealed away in there, named Vero, Verodora, and kind of starts up a conversation with him because Verodora is very lonely, very sundere, and ends up taking a liking to Remedu, and uh, eventually absorbs him and says that he's gonna, you know, break his seal and then let him out eventually. Um, and this kind of causes a chain reaction in the world because. The the aura that is the existence of Veradora at this location was causing the you know the monsters to not move from their locations. So now that was gone, the beasts and everything are starting to migrate around and cause problems. And uh, thus begins this little venture where Remedy goes out and is trying to help different uh, races of beings with their conflicts that they're having. Eventually, cuts the notices of different kingdoms and uh, different races because of what he's doing and how his interaction with the world is kind of shaping it. Uh, end up finding out there's all those elements to this world as uh, summoners who are able to pull people from other worlds, which is technically kind of different than what Remedy did. Remedy was kind of born there, but there's people that are summoned from other worlds as well and how they uh, interact with Remedy in his story to become basically the leader of the entire world because he's such a nice guy yes he is an awesome guy <laughs> so what do you think of that time i got reincarnated as a slime season one i can't wait for season two already <laughs> this this show was so well done this is this is absolutely we i i we've been kind of chiming on this for a couple of for quite a while now that if you are in the the camp of all you have to say is isekai and automatically the show is is dumped and you're you're missing out on wonderful shows like in particular this this is so well done very well thought out it doesn't take it doesn't like it andrew i'm i'm gonna steal one of his notes he's got in here it's overpowered done right and i absolutely agree it is it's one of those things where the the character is overpowered but it's not so overpowered that it consumes the entire show it it actually he's actually taking the time to allow the other characters to develop around him he's he's more just shaping the world around him not necessarily um just wholeheartedly bombarding the world and forcing it to change around him. It's not make any sense at all. Um, it, I, I, I do really enjoy the, the story, the, how every character is, um, kind of just, just naturally drawn to him in some way, shape or form, because he's just a really, really cool guy. And you just really want to see what he's going to do next. And it's just so much fun. I think that's what allows him to be such a kind of addictive character to watch is that he's a main character that you kind of are drawn to just like all the other characters are. He's just a good person. And it is one of those things that kind of is, I kind of mentioned a little bit with something like uh, Outbreak Company is it's one of those shows that kind of a lot of its emphasis is on accepting people, uh, forgiving, uh, no, not having that initial thought process of, okay, this thing's a, a, a you know a gigantic man-eating orc what are we going to do with this kind of thing he's he's a lot more accepting than the people around him and that kind of that attitude is just kind of addictive to everybody or kind of rubs off on everybody around him 
And that kind of helps him to this whole element of kind of world building while kind of building a kingdom. And that was one of the, the unique elements of it. Yeah, you have the Sekai, but then you add to that. Well, what are you going to do with this, the Sekai? Well, let's make him overpowered. I'm like, yeah, okay, we had that already. What are you going to do with that? Well, let's make him build a nation. Wait, you're going to do what? Oh, we're going to build a nation. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. What are you going to do with this whole thing? Well, we're going to do this, this, and we're going to bring these people in. We're going to show these different races and what they're kind of... Uh, quirk is and uh, how that can better the other people or how can these two races work together for this particular thing and that's where it kind of starts getting like well, okay I'm following you where, where else we're going where, where else are we going to go and that's that's what this show does so well it's it's that your and your initial thought is kind of off put then you kind of laugh a little bit about how overpowered he is and you're like okay well, that's fine but what else and then it kind of just slowly says, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And then after a while, you realize, wait, I'm just trying to keep up with you. Not that it's, you know, insane storytelling and it's going to get you lost. It's just I'm trying to I'm trying to wonder what you're going to do next kind of thing. And granted, I think the only thing I can really kind of give it a misgiving for is that it is kind of predictable in the idea that every time – not really predictable, but uh, <laughs> there's no threat there. And they often try to overplay this threat, and then it always ends up getting resolved by just the simplest of things. And in the next episode, you're like, oh, this is going to be the the next big, huge thing. And you're like, well, this can be like an entire three episodes of, are they ever going to fight this thing? Nope, it gets resolved within the end of the episode. And you're like, yeah, well, okay, that just happened. It, it, never, it never really gets to a point where you're like, things are really dire. Even though it tries to play it up, it always ends up kind of getting resolved way too simply. And yeah, I can kind of see that as a negative, but at the same time, I'm never upset at it. It's just kind of like, that's just Rimuru, or that's just this world, and I'm more intrigued by everything else that's happening. I'm never really, I'm not seeking to have this, this uh, Charibidus thing that shows up to really kill anybody. It's just kind of like, okay, that'd be fun if Millen punches the thing. Oh, okay, Millen punched the thing. That was fun. Okay, Bad guys show up from the other demon lord. Oh no, they're terrorizing the town. Melum punches them halfway across the world. That's Melum. <laughs> it's just it's it's it never really it never it's never relying on the issues to be very dire. Yeah, it, they it, just it, kind of that, happen and they get resolved. It, it and that it, that's that's an excellent excellent uh, thing to point out is the fact that the they are overpowered is just a consequence. It's not. It's not. It plays off the named character thing, which is really funny because (laughs) he basically expends mana by giving names to creatures and then they're no longer just a goblin. They're now Gabuta and Gabuta kicks butt because he's trained hard. (laughs) And all these other characters, they just they'll he'll name them and then he falls asleep and wakes up and they're like more detailed and, and stronger looking and buff. Uh, they have like this really decrepit old man is one of these goblins and he names it and he turns out to be this gigantic buff dude after he wakes up. Uh, it's just kind of a running joke that ends up kind of adding more character to these, you know, normally very uncharacteristic goblins or, or orcs or whatever. And that's that was kind of one of the fun things that happened in the earlier segments. It's just a fun little world. It it it. I love the the nation building. I love the characters. They're all fun to be around. Uh, Melon was a treat. I wanted to get a figure of her, and then I realized it's uh, kind of an off company. <laughs> uh, I love how Sheehan is always kind of the, trying to grab uh, and and always have ownership of Remedy when he's as, as a slime, and then Shuna's fighting over him. And uh, Sohei has like these wires that can completely incapacitate people, and 
Benimaru and his desire to, you know, kind of protect the people around him and uh, Hakuro, who's training these different people. Like I said, Gabuta and his, his, even though he's like the only goblin that didn't get like a really different type of uh, body when he got named, he's really cool and kicks butt and watching him kick the crap out of Gabudu, who is like the most annoying dude because the guys say, Gabudu, so you're so obviously, amazing. Obviously, Gabuta <laughs> is really the leader, right? Because <laughs> can't lose yeah right exactly (laughs) Uh, every one of the characters were fantastic and that's that's testament to the writing that you can have such a huge cast but I was always like happy to see that another character has a screen I'm like okay what are they going to do with Soi what is he going to do I was never like oh this character's on the screen yeah I had a small feeling of that early on with Gabadu, but even Gabadu after a while, I'm like, oh, it's Gabadu. Gabadu really <laughs> came into it. I, I really did not like Gabadu at the beginning. And then he just suddenly was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm on board with this guy. He's, he's just a nut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I can't wait. Gabadu Asama, you're the greatest. Gabadu Asama, you're the fun. <laughs> can we, can we all, can we all admit who best boy was in the entire show? Wrong. Best. Guy. Huh? It was Ranga, right? Oh, Ranga was best bro. Ranga, Ranga is awesome. <laughs> I love Ranga. No, Ranga was, and a, that's not because he's a wolf. <laughs> no, it, Ranga was a huge surprise because the, technically his introduction to the entire story was like really dark and kind of upsetting how it kind of gets resolved. But he turns out to be like the coolest bro ever, and he's always protective, and he always looks up to Rimuru. It was just. Uh, it was it was kind of one of those things that kind of swishes itself on you, and it was really really cool to watch. Uh, I really liked. Uh, I don't even have her on here. Was it Chizuru? Uh, Chizu? I think they just called her Chizu. Or Chizu. Chizu. Uh, Chizu was like a very brief moment in the first part of it, but she was a character that kind of continuously influences the rest of the story. And I really did like her backstory episode. I think it was episode twenty four because the show technically in like episode twenty three. Uh, I loved her little backstory uh, that they kind of told with her. I, there's just not a character that... It, I mean, even when they went to the dwarf place and they got into that guy that was trying to mess with Rimuru and what he was doing, even that guy ended up having a cool story to him. I mean, it's like no character is wasted. The guy that tries to trick Rimuru when he goes to this this one guy's kingdom ends up having a redemption no, and no, a, no. a source to play in the later parts of the story. It's like none of these characters are wasted. There is one character that was wasted. The guy that doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> that, he does have something to say. <laughs> say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, even he is not wasted because we laughed every time he showed up and said, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, say something more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I it's, a, it's just a fantastic cast. And I, I can't wait for more of it. It's just, there's nothing. I guess I've listed all the stuff that makes it amazing. It's just it's 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 weird to have a show that has no no nothing in it that is inherently has to be defined as the greatest thing possible. It's just it does everything that it does perfectly. And for that, it's yeah, it is a set, like you said, it's an isekai that should not be missed. It isn't. It technically isn't a isekai that I see a lot of people that critique isekais saying, "Oh wait, this is actually an isekai that I like," and it's like. So you're getting the point of why we check all these out because there's always that one that does something different and does it perfectly. It doesn't have to be thrown away immediately when you hear Isekai. But there is the element there that it's like, do we really even have to? It is like like right now. Do you, 
was did did you, did you have to take a backtrack when I started out saying that there was a guy that was working in business and he got stabbed? Where you're like, oh yeah, that's right, that happened. Yeah, it's kind of like Grim Guards. Like, did well, we really have to do men- that? He, he does mention it here and there. I mean, the 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 school the school part was kind of a. Oh yeah, that's right. He is technically from another world. Yeah. When when the kids came in, they when they get into the summoning thing, yeah, technically that's where it kind of dials it back. But it was for a long time there that was kind of a. My point is that it's one of those things where you kind of wonder, would it have been better just to open it up as he wakes up and he's a slime and he doesn't even remember where he was at, even though he has recollections of of different type of technologies that he can kind of implement it because i mean he rarely does ever actually say i guess he does bring in the whole idea that they can have these people and build the whole plumbing system so they can have bathrooms and stuff but yeah Yeah, it it it, there there was kind of a reference to the fact that he is technically an engineer in in his previous life and so that's why he's so good at building the nation Mm -hmm. right right so yeah um that's that time i got reincarnated as, as a slime I think that's I think that's all my notes that I went through. Even though you stole the, it does overpower right. Mm-hmm. It's just fun when it does it. Like I said, there's no point to the dire situations. It's not really the 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 point. Like I said, middle of, it, middle of him showing up and him going, "Holy crap! This chick this chick's actually really really powerful." And then he resolves it with candy. It's like, yeah, it's not a really a threat. And he is technically overpowered, and he can blow up lots of things and, and absorb things and 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 absorb abilities. And he has all these different. He can cure anybody he wants to cure. It's just the fun that it is in its moment to moment. It's not about the combat sequences. So the fact that he's overpowered doesn't really matter. So, yeah, yes, okay, I agree completely. That time I got reincarnated Phenomenal as a slime. Show. Like I Can't said, wait until season two. Yeah, like I said, they already have a season two announced. I think they said 2020. No, maybe that was Neverland. I don't know when it's coming out, but we have a season two coming, so that's that's great. So a million years from now, probably. They probably realize they've they've hit gold. Nate, but it's like we need to make another season quickly. <laughs> I think I think they even announced it before the season even ended. So that was definitely a sign that they they knew what they had and they were they were looking to bank off it. And you can get it. You can get a revenue pillow, and I kept thought about getting one. I want a revenue pillow. So yeah, that's that's that time I got reincarnated. Sign. That's all the shows we have for this episode. If your show that you are waiting on has not been talked about yet, that's because it's going to be in part three, or you can just assume that we didn't watch it. But yes, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode, the part two of our winter 2019 anime season reviews. Again, over at TalkySpirit.com. Go there for our anime, new and old, great community forum links, top social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. And we thank you all for listening. We hope you all enjoyed, and you all take care. Os. Shaki, 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 shaki
おかえり。